Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Welcome to another episode of our Triune Pod. It's great to be with you all. Thanks for listening. Ben, how you doing? I am doing all right, man. Doing all right. It has snowed here in Manhattan, and I would say that we had as much jubilation and cheer as we did when they announced on TV that Joe Biden was, in fact, going to be our next president. People just lost their minds with joy. And in the midst of this, like, super dark winter, uh, yeah, it's probably been the most fun I've had in all of 2021. How about you? Wow. Uh, okay. Well, obligatory weather conversation. Check. <laughs> um, yeah, man, not, not a lot here. Um, well, hey, but uh, you have, you have an announcement for us, I believe a change in designation. Uh, the Reverend Ben DeHart, the official vicar of Calvary St. George's. Is that right? That's right, guys. I have been the associate rector for over six years and the church has now made me the vicar, which I am actually very honored by and very appreciative of. And um, yeah, my plan is just to stay here until I die. And I think this is their way of saying, you are invited to stay here for at least five more years. So I'll take those five more years and uh, we're gonna try to grow this puppy to double the size, you know, just do big things. Oh, congrats, man, that's a big deal. Well, I hope you're staying uh, for a student. I've been thinking about this. As soon as I get the vaccine, even just one dose, I'm definitely going to come to New York. That's like the first thing I want to do. I mean, you um, should just come now, but whatever. Yeah, but it'd be Don't more fun if scene. I was, if I was, uh, you know, if I was vaccinated. All right. Um, we are going to pray the collect for the last Sunday after the epiphany. Um, are you going to provide a little context for that, Ben, before we discuss uh, the prayer? Well, let's wait till after the prayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but okay, good. All right. So um, let's just start with the prayer. I invite you to. Pray along with me in silence of your own heart. O God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the holy mountain, grant to us that we, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Wow. I don't know if I've ever done a word count, but that seems like one of the wordiest prayers in the, of the year. But I'm sure you have some great stuff for us to think about, Ben. So you take it from here. Yeah. So I actually love this collect. Um, and for those of you who are paying attention, you'll notice uh, we, we do uh, the Feast of the Transfiguration also talks about the Transfiguration. So you might be confused. We have this, we, we have prayers about the Transfiguration two times a year, every year. And it's always the last Sunday of Epiphany. So the, the ultimate Epiphany being the transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain. But there's also a feast of the transfiguration in August. So, you know, it's a little bit do redundant. You, do you guys actually do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll have a collect on... Is it a weekday or is it a Sunday? It is. It's a, a Friday, but we usually 
put it forward to the Sunday. And then I guess the, the thing that you'll notice is the gospel text two times a year is oh. on the transfiguration. And I is tend that typical? to- uh, I've never heard yeah. of this. No, every year. So, and for whatever reason in the order for, we have three priests at Calvary St. George's, I tend to preach on the transfiguration twice every year. I don't know why, but that's how it is. Uh, but sucks. I've, I've heard you preach on it and it's like pretty bad. So it sucks. <laughs> you have to do it twice in a year. Yeah. So I thought for this <laughs> totally podcast, kidding. I wouldn't do what I normally preach and do something completely different in hopes that it'll be a slam dunk. But yeah, so this college is about the transfiguration and we usually kind of end our podcast with our quotes. For this week, I thought we'd start it with a quote. And this quote is by this New Testament commentator Name, whose name is Dale Allison. And just a little background, if, in case you're completely unfamiliar with the transfiguration, this is when Jesus goes up with his two disciples to the mountain and Jesus is transfigured in their midst. His clothes become glowing white and right beside him are two Old Testament you know, prophets, Moses and Elijah, and the voice from heaven saying, you know, this is my son, listen to him. So what Dale Allison does in his commentary on this is he says, and just like our colic says, our colic begins, oh God, who before the passion of your only begotten son revealed his glory upon the holy mountain. Dale Allison says that the transfiguration and the crucifixion are intertwined. And this is what he says about it. This is a quote. The transfiguration has a dark twin in the account of the crucifixion. In the one case, Jesus is elevated on a mountain. In the other, he is elevated on a cross. In the one case, there is a private epiphany. In the other, there is a public spectacle. In the one case, Jesus is transfigured into light. In the other case, a supernatural darkness descends. In the one, Jesus' garments are illumined. In the other, they are stripped off. In the one, Jesus is glorified. In the other, he is shamed. In one, two saints appear, Moses and Elijah. In the other, two criminals hang beside him. In the one, God confesses Jesus. In the other, God abandons him. And finally, in the one case, a divine voice declares Jesus to be God's son. In the other, a pagan soldier makes this confession. And this is how he ends his chapter. He says this, The curious confluence of similar motifs and contrasting images create something like a diptych in which the two plates have similar outlines but different colors. If one scene were sketched on a transparency and placed over the other, many of its lines would disappear. And I've always thought that was so interesting. And whenever I've preached on the transfiguration, I've always mentioned this, that essentially if you were to put the transfiguration narrative over the narrative of the crucifixion, you essentially, they would go right on top of each other. And I think this is really helpful. And uh, when we think about the gospels, what are the gospels trying to do? They're trying to get you and me to answer the question, who is Jesus? And one, and one of the uh, gospel accounts, uh, right before the transfiguration, uh, Peter essentially gets Jesus's identity wrong. He's like, Lord, you are the glorious one. This notion of you going to the cross, no, no, that's not what a Messiah does. And that's when Jesus says, calls his best friend, Satan. So 
even here that where, where the transfiguration narrative is placed, uh, here we see Jesus in all his divine glory. We see uh, you know, human nature uh, demonized, for lack of a better word. And yet, the gospel doesn't end there. It's not like we know who Jesus is by having the transfiguration alone. We need to go to the end of the story. And in this year, it's, it's the gospel of Mark, and it ends with the crucifixion, right? There's barely even a, a mention of the resurrection. So what these gospel narratives are saying is when we ask the question, who is Jesus? We can't just say he's a great teacher. We can't even say that Jesus is God and God alone. We have to say Jesus is the one or is God who suffers and dies on our behalf and in our place. And I think that that, that the Colletier gets that really well. Before the passion of your only begotten son revealed his glory on the mount, he was at the cross. And the only way we can understand the glory of Jesus is by holding these two things together. The ultimate glory of Jesus on the mount with the glory, in a sense, of Jesus on the cross. <laughs> so I've said a lot there, Nick. You got any thoughts on all that? <laughs> Um, well, short answer is no. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm like, I mean, I, I doubt that quote was amazing. And, you know, the diptych, um, I think isn't our, uh, I think our podcast, like icon is like a diptych, right? Is, I think I'm the glorified is. Jesus and you're the crucified Jesus. Fair I'm looking enough. at it now. Yeah. That's, I haven't looked at that in a while. That's really funny. Thank you, Zach Brooks. Um, yeah, man, I guess I'm just trying to think about like in the realm of lived experience, the connection between beholding by faith the light of his countenance and the strengthening to bear our cross, like that hill, the mountaintop before the valley, you know, experience. Um, and I'm just wondering, I guess I'm, I guess I'm really trying to figure out if I believe that to be true, <laughs> if there is a way in which when by, by seeing, like, I mean, this might not be correct, but the way I've heard this prayer explained and the way I've heard this Sunday explained is you kind of get this mountaintop experience as a way of fueling your observance of the season of Lent. Is that, is that, is that somewhat close to home? You know this stuff better than I do. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's why I have such a hard time preaching the Transfiguration text because it's like, okay, well, and I don't think I'm in, I'm, I'm in good company here, right? The disciples behold his countenance and they abandon him. <laughs> so it's not like, well, they got a glimpse of the divinity of Jesus or Jesus's human nature. And his, it's like utmost, like this is what humans are supposed to be like. And they're just from then on, like we are obeying, we are living our best life. Yeah. So I think that that is kind of an unhelpful way to look. I mean, and I know myself, right? I'll have mountaintop experiences. I remember as a kid, I used to go to these Bible studies that a friend of mine held and, and I would just feel like I was on fire for Jesus. And I remember driving home one time and being like, I may never sin again. Like I may never be selfish again because I'm just on fire for the Lord. I'm a flamer. I'm a freaking <laughs> flamer for Jesus. And then like two hours later, I'm like, giving my mom the hardest time in the world. And I'm like, why, what happened? I was, I was feeling good. And now that has gone away. Um, so I, yeah, I think that that's an unhelpful understanding of, of the transfiguration text. I know that, I mean, my Eastern friends that who aren't real, 
as we've established in the past, they would say like there is something about beholding the beatific vision or like Jesus in his divinity that will in fact change and rectify us. And, you know, I, I believe that to be true when we see the Lord face to face at the end of days. Um, but yeah, I haven't, that hasn't rung true to my lived experience too often. Yeah, my day to day life, which probably says more about me than anything else. But I do like, I mean, I think, again, we, we say these prayers because we don't have what we're praying for. And I, I do want to be changed into his likeness from glory to glory. I mean, I've felt like a broken record saying that. I mean, <laughs> purify this heart, uh, rectify uh, me, refiner's fire, have your way. And I think that that's, you know, a, again, like there's a bit of a cop out, but this is like an, an eschatological prayer, a wish, like, Lord, gosh, darn it. Like change me into your son. And we have seen, like we saw Christ's divinity at the tr transfiguration, but we also see human nature transfigured. And so there is a promise and a hope, I think, with the transfiguration that we will, in fact, be transfigured just like he was, uh, that we will shine with Christ's radiance, that we will be changed in his glory, uh, from glory to glory. I don't know. I've... What about what about the strengthening to bear our cross? Yeah. Where does that where does that take you? And I do like I, I like that this collect really does. I mean, not just at the beginning, but there in the middle too, holds together the cross and the transfiguration, right? Like I, I yeah. If we if we don't understand Jesus as the suffering Messiah, then we we miss it. If we don't understand the Christian life as you know, at least in our outer form. Uh, where we experience setbacks and pain, et cetera, then like, we're not going to understand the Christian life. All right. Then we might as well just be, you know, with Joel Steen and, you know, if, if you're not prosperous, then something's wrong with your faith. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, yeah. How does this help us strengthen us to bear our cross? Honestly, I'm not sure. And, and maybe, we're not supposed to do too much work with that. Maybe that really is just connecting, you know, in the midst of this life that has great joys, but also has setbacks and, and cross-like moments. Um, we have this promise that it will not always be like that, that we will be transfigured like he was, uh, that we will experience glory. I don't know. Do you, have, yeah. How do you preach no, on the transfiguration? <laughs> Uh, I've only done it once and uh, I would say it did not go particularly well. <laughs> I have not, I mean, I haven't been in church. I mean, the churches that I've been a part of and served are less, uh, and I, this is not, uh, I, I don't mean this in a negative way or a positive way, just as a fact, are less tied to the calendar in okay. some ways. So, um, yeah, I like, like, for example, oh, wait, never mind. Yeah, I don't think I'm preaching this that Sunday, but um here, here's a question that I think is interesting. So there's this, like, what do you, what do you think about memory as it relates to the Christian life and whether the memory of like a fantastic or spectacular or deeply meaningful spiritual event, um, the way that that can like animate you in the present. Yeah. Right. Cause I kind of imagine like, um, like, you know, the, the disciples who beheld uh, by faith the light of God's countenance in, in Jesus, like, 
did they look back on that and think, you know, like, that, that makes sense. Like, I guess I'm wondering if there's any sense of like, do we look back on moments in our life where God felt particularly close and that provides a kind of assurance and meaning in the present? Or does it not work like that? Like, can you not rely on memory in some meaningful way? Yeah, no, I think for some people, I mean, that's you know, a whole story of personal conversion for folks. And, you know, I think we in the mainline church like to kind of poo-poo that, but like, I mean, I want to have a personal conversion experience. And for, you know, some people I know, some people I met in seminary, like they, you know, had great jobs, like Goldman Sachs, making way more money than I am right now. And they gave all that up because they had this experience of the Lord, kind of like a transfiguration like moment. So I think that, of course, that animates some people and, you know, maybe I'm just the son of a gun and uh, <laughs> that doesn't animate me. But also I, I think about too, a little bit about what we were talking about last week, um, and connecting just to the cross as well. A moment like Justin Welby was talking about with the loss of his daughter, and yet he felt the presence of Jesus in the midst of that utmost worst moment of his life, and how that has you know strengthened him in the midst of a real cross-life shape moment, um, in the midst of terrible suffering. So I don't want it to just be about that. I think that like the con personal conversion in this the, uh, stories that there can be these, you know, fantabulous moments that um, animate lives and, and not just for a week or for an hour like me, but for the rest of their life. I mean, think of St. Paul and the, the conversion story. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that I am just someone the Lord needs to work on a little bit more. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit slower burn. I feel like you kind of have a story a little bit like that. Yeah, no, that's, I do. That's true. Um, that's true. Maybe that's why I'm like kind of skeptical because I don't feel like, I feel like that well runs dry pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but anyway, man. Yeah, this is, I, I, I miss me on this. This is, this is a, uh, this is a tough collect and this is not a, a feast in the life or an event in the life of Jesus that we commemorate in some ways uh, through the liturgical year that I've ever really known what to do with. And I think in some ways that's, there's like a gift in the givenness of the prayer. It's like, do I totally understand it? Do I even like kind of believe the logic inherent in this prayer? Like not really, but it's there. And I kind of submit to it and pray it in faith and um, trust that God, even kind of in ways that transcend my understanding will work out this thing in my own life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I think that's great. And I think it kind of helps us to understand those of us who are, you know, reformed and that like Luther Bartian, sense of you know those folks who talk about and like and i always roll my eyes at it and usually hate it but um you know like experience of experiences of great beauty will change you and i'm like well like beauty has never changed me and maybe it does change certain people and then you know maybe more credence i want to give to you know the christian east of like i want to be open to the fact that you know what they call the beatific vision or, or really experiencing christ in his glory could you know, destroy in me all that is awful. <laughs> I'd love to be open to that. I mean, I don't, I think I rest my hat on the fact that, you know, the cross and Christ's work alone, and um, I need to be in the scriptures and fed with the sacraments. And maybe, you know, they would say, well, there's, there's the beauty there too. But yeah, dear listener, maybe you have some thoughts. And uh, if you do, tell us what's what about the transfiguration. So <laughs> that's good. That's good to end on. Why don't you pray us out? Let's pray.
O God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the mountain, grant to us that we, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. How about that episode of our Triune Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite podcast.